bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. A couple of things that I like or love are entrepreneurship and family. And next we'll be talking to a young entrepreneur that's in my family here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. When you need someone to listen, a lawyer you know and trust. Congratulations to all the Minnesota businesses that scraped through the last year. It sure hasn't been easy, but we've done it together. And while we certainly need to move forward, it's good to reflect on what we've been through and the many losses. Here at Bradshaw and Bryant, we held a lot of Zoom meetings, increased our phone calls, and have done our best to keep up with all the changes while continuing to provide quality work. We'd like to thank everyone that turned to us with their personal injury and criminal needs, as well as the courtrooms for bringing the community back together to serve justice. We look forward to being part of Minnesota's growth and success for many years to come. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything till you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Seeking justice for the injured, Bradshaw and Bryant. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the JB's Low Tech Podcast. And in, the, in my opening, I stated that uh, there's two things I love, which is uh, family and entrepreneurship. And today I have my youngest brother's oldest daughter, my niece, Marlena Blackshear, here to talk about her business and things she's experienced while building her empire. How you doing, Marlena? I am good. How are you? I'm okay. You know, just just trying to uh, do things on the side. So 
I know you and you and everyone else, especially during this time. I think a lot of people have tried to figure out different avenues to explore different things that they like and try to do something different during the the pandemic. So I agree with you. Well, we're going to talk about your business here in a a few minutes. But um, first of all, let's kind of give a background on you and your life growing up in the uh, city of St. Louis and uh, being my my youngest brother's daughter. Well, just a little background about me. Uh, born and raised in St. Louis. Uh, my experience being raised in St. Louis has always been family oriented. Um, I liked having the support of my family and, um, you know, the presence of, of being always surrounded with family. So for me, um, growing up back at home, um, you know, my dad would always encourage me to do different things and to go after what I wanted. So uh, I just think that the strong family values have raised me to be what I am now. Uh, so for me, St. Louis is not really about the place, but about the people that are there. So, I mean, I, I've learned a lot. I'm now in Texas now for almost three years, mm-hmm. um, but just trying to to expand. But uh, St. Louis is always home. Yeah, you, um, your, your parents and grandparents were probably a very strong influence on you. What, yeah, um, what did you gain from your mother over that time? Oh, from my mom? Uh, my mom has always been uh, business oriented. Um, so I would always remember her. Um, <laughs> like wearing suits and stuff to work. And uh, one memory from high school is it was like my freshman year of high school homecoming. And, you know, everyone else had on like jeans and cute tops and stuff like that or sweaters. Yeah, my mom had me <laughs> <laughs> dressed up to homecoming in a whole business suit. Okay, so that was kind of like my foundation of, you know, I guess just being not kept together, but kind of um, just getting that aspect of business. Like it, it it was naturally in her. Like that was something that was always a part of her personality or uh, the things she instilled in us at home. So just, yeah, just having that, that memory of showing up to homecoming and I have on like this full-fledged business suit, like that was always my mom. Like my dad was more so like the encourager. You could do anything. And my mom was always like to know the black and white more stark one. So, right. yeah, she she always tried to keep us, you know, together. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. I uh, As I was going through my list of people to have on, somehow I, I missed the connection with you. But your Aunt Charlotte will not rest until this sh- uh, show or episode was uh, recorded and done. So... Now she can uh, relax because she kept she she reminded me that I needed to have you on. <laughs> well, you know, you know, um, I, I love I love her specifically because she was one in my life that would always encourage me to be who I am no matter what. You know, so uh, outside of like family goals and values and, you know, going off to do things that you wanted to do, you know, in spite of what other people may think, she was the one that was always there no matter what to kind of support you. Um, you know, just say, hey, you know, that's life. Life goes on, you know, keep on moving type of thing. So I love her. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, she can now rest. And uh, I've uh, I, I try not to have people tell me who to have on my show because it is my yeah. show. <laughs> but right? but, uh, you know, because, you know, you don't you know, you want to people you want people to have maybe ideals for you. But if the last thing you want in your business and like or in your in your podcast is like trying to take over things, you know, if it's if it's your vision is your vision. So and right. and speaking of your vision, how about telling everybody uh, what is your 
uh, business and um, what it's all about? Well, so um, I have two current businesses right now. Okay. Um, my business that I am most known for uh, is Bellish Glam Bar, which is a handmade candle company. Um, I've been a chandelier for a little over six years now. I'm self-taught. Um, going on seven years, uh, the end of November on the 29th. Um, so for me, candles started off as something that I did as a hobby. The year that my grandmother passed was actually the year that I got started. So um, small business Saturday after Thanksgiving, I had everybody together in my small little downtown loft in St. Louis and, um, you know, set up like little tables and stuff in the living room. And, you know, people showed and I was surprised. Like, oh, my God, people actually like this. So um, I originally loved candles anyway and wanted to find a way to make that um, a hobby that I could actually kind of save money on or do myself or make it more special. So as the years went along, um, I was more into making candles because I found it as a revenue or a uh, outlet for self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, being able to take that time for yourself, being able to set aside time to be mindful of where you are in life. So um, candles were always a part of that routine for me. Um, and once I was able to express that and understand why it was that I was really making candles, it all started to make more sense. Um, and it grew my passion for candle making stronger. Um, so now I am uh, making candles. I do wholesale orders. Um, I do um, virtual candle making experiences. Um, also do um, special candle making packages and things of that sort. So um, yeah, so that's my that's my candle venture. Um, more so about self care. No matter what I do, I'm always trying to pour back into others, um, providing a product that provides value to other people, um, something that they can that they can see as fulfillment, um, that has more than one purpose when you're actually selling someone's stuff. So I just don't want to sell people candles. I want to sell them um, the benefit of having self-care or taking that time for themselves. So uh, that's something why I really like candles and what I do and why I've been doing it for so long. Um, the other avenue that, or other business that I currently have now uh, that I just started um, right uh, last year during the pandemic, mm-hmm. um, just seeing the uh, influx of people who were starting their own business um, who were actually becoming um, entrepreneurs and trying to find something else to fulfill the time or to make themselves happy, um, I began to help small business owners and entrepreneurs um, with their branding. So okay. for their company, um, if they are you know needing help with social media, um, I do social media management for them, uh, website designs, um, brand consulting, and then also um, product development as well. So that's something that I... Uh, I'm getting to learn more of uh, my background. My undergrad was in business administration, marketing management, and then I have a master's uh, as well in business administration. So that was something I actually got to put my degree to use. Right. <laughs> um, so that was something I was like, okay, so I'm paying for these student loans. How can I actually make this work for me? <laughs> so that was, that was something that, uh, that has become uh, huge. I guess a lot of people have seen what I've done through uh, my candle business and the mistakes that I've made and how open I am about, you know, overcoming the obstacles and getting over the mistakes that you've made. So I've been wanting to help people avoid mistakes that I've already done um, as a small business owner. So um, Bellish Branding Agency is the name of my uh, my marketing company. Well, it, um, it's interesting on several layers there. Uh, I started this podcast and also my equipment, sports equipment repair business during the pandemic, even though I, um, I was one of the lucky people who had to go actually go into work every day doing the, uh, the heavy 
heart of the pandemic. And I sure wish I had somebody at that time to help me with like social media and uh, building my websites because uh, <laughs> it was it was an interesting time for me to like get that stuff off the ground, you know, sh- shocked by the expense and other things. But uh, mm-hmm. just the just not having any knowledge and going into it blind and just trying to use the the platforms that were out there that could help me uh, mm-hmm. uh, get get going. And um, it was kind of a struggle. So it's nice to hear that you are helping others with that and, you know, also still help yourself. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely not always the easiest thing, but I think a lot of people, um, you know, either have trouble with delegating because, you know, starting a business that is your that's your baby. That's your brand that you're building. So I think at times we struggle with, you know, either asking for help or delegating work um, that we are not so good at, you know, right. <laughs> especially with the changes in social media and the different platforms as well. That could also be a difficulty um, for people to kind of, you know, immerse themselves in. Well, it for sure was mine. So let's go back to the candle business first. Um, mm-hmm. When people hear, hear candles, they think, oh, this is, you light a candle, you get the scent, so the aromas, and then that's it. You know, it may calm you down, but yours are, you have a different twist to it. Can you explain to the listeners what actually your candles, the, the special features of your candles? Yeah, definitely. So my candles, um, they are handmade, all natural. Um, me being a candle lover before I started making candles, um, you know, I would buy the larger candles from the main uh, retailers that a lot of people know of, um, the big name brands. And, you know, just lighting those, you found those to be very toxic. You would get like the soot and stuff. Right. Um, the fragrances would be very strong. You know, and that was something that I didn't like about about candles. So my twist on candles is trying to find something that uh, that could be beneficial just for uh, as well as it has uh, fragrance mm-hmm. um, within the home, but then also something that you can use as a benefit. So uh, my candles are all natural. Um, they are made for your skin, um, but they're still even better for your home. So um, my candles are made with um, natural oils, almond oil, shea butters, that when you light them, they become a massage oil. So um, when I say massage oil candles, you know, sometimes people are like, well, hey, like, I don't want that type of candles. <laughs> you know, but it's it's not like that. So right. I mean, you can use it. You can use it for however you like. Right. Um, but they are good for um, uh, moisturizing your skin, mm-hmm. um, softening the calluses of your feet, um, also um, helping with eczema and things of that sort. So um, the warm oils they're not hot enough to burn your skin. So when you actually light the candle, you let it burn for a while, uh, blow out the flame, and then once you just pour it in your hand, a little bit goes a long way. So a lot of people are amazed that, you know, there's a candle that can do um, more than just, you know, um, have a nice aroma to fill their home. Like you can actually right. use this for your skin and it's actually all natural. Um, so just when I used to do vendor events and people would light candles and, you know, try them on their skin at the vendor tables, like they would be so amazed. Like, oh, my gosh, like this is like this is neat. So that was that was something that I love to just see people's face about how you change how I change the dynamic of actually. Um, enjoying the candles that you have at your home. Yeah, that's that's uh, a very nice feature and uh, very cool. But then you you took it to a, uh, a further step than just candles. You started in the model, I, I guess, of lack of a better way of describing, of the old Tupperware parties and started having your own parties and business uh, 
uh, reach outs. Right. So with that, at the time when I started doing vendor events, um, I would always get outsold by the, the pyramid companies, right? Right. So they would be selling like, you know, hey, get wrapped or hey, get your lipstick or get your mascara, you know, that type of thing. Um, but it was it was a good thing for me. And I knew I was on the right path in entrepreneurship because I was able to offer something that the pyramid companies were not able to do. And I think that's something that sometimes um, entrepreneurs or business, business owners uh, fail to realize. Like, even though you have those larger companies, you are still able to have an advantage of offering discounts, um, offering specialized products. Um, so when I figured out that I that I could do that, like, hey, okay, here's candles two for one price, or here's you know a bulk order of candles for a different price. Um, whereas you have the pyramid companies that you know could only stick to their specific price sheet. So um, when identifying that, I looked further into those pyramid companies and realized, oh, hey, these people are actually going to people's houses. They are selling their products. They're getting people to promote their products. I can do the same thing, right? right. So um, that was a great way for me to introduce my product to um, more customers without having to pay the fee of vendor fees, without actually going somewhere expecting to, um, you know, make my money back or make a profit off the money that I spent to actually get into the venue, you know? So that was actually, I wasn't really focused on making a sale. I was just more so focused on introducing my product to more people, um, spreading, I guess, spreading the word, um, increasing the word of mouth about, you know, the candles that I, that I offered. So um, just being in the comfort of, people, of people's home, you know, they're more relaxed, they're more open to um, hear about the products that you have. So that was something that I enjoyed. Like, hey, I can either come to your house, you guys can come over here. Uh, bring about four or five people. It doesn't matter. Uh, have some snacks. Look at a candle list. Um, so, yeah, and that was the first actual candle event that I had as well. Like I said, on that small sun, on that small Saturday, uh, small business Saturday, when I first had people come over. I mean, it was only my family that came. You know, like I right. said, I set up the, the tables and stuff in the living room. And, you know, just that comfort of being, you know, in a in a home instead of being in a venue, I thought that was more beneficial. Uh, so, with with your parties, it's just not about. It's not just about selling the, trying to sell the product. It's also, uh, you do some uh, educational stuff, and you also uh, de- uh, have demos and uh, and you have games, or I shouldn't say games, but you have other things going on at your parties. Can you talk about that stuff too? Yeah. So. Um... When I am having candle parties, um, like I said, I am really huge on self-care. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot of these things are about, um, you know, different ways that you can light your candle, um, pouring into yourself, um, being able to, um, you know, spark fire under the things that you really want, being able to sit down and manifest and take time for, um, you know, journaling or for uh, doing yoga and things of that sort. So um, when I do the parties, um, I try to, you know, remind people of different things that they can do um, day to day, daily routines that will actually change their, uh, you know, change the path that they're on, you know, at that current time. So, um, yes, during that time, um, when I do the, the uh, candle virtual events, you're able to make your own candle. And I think people like that because they're able to put in the work that it takes to actually make the candle. And then they're also able to put their their passion or their interest into something that they're actually making and can keep for um, a keepsake. So um, when that happens, uh, demonstrate how to actually make a candle, what it takes to make a candle. And then you also have like a 
uh, self-care um, affirmations and things of that sort that you can also keep as well that comes in the candle kit. What have been uh, some of the challenges you have faced and some things that worked well, some things that didn't that you faced during this experience? Um, I think kind of going back to what you said earlier, uh, as far as uh, taking people's criticism, um, about your business or their recommendations or their suggestions. Um, I think when I first started off, one of my bigger mistakes was offering too much too soon. Right. I think when I started, I probably had about maybe over 20 different fragrances, right? Mm-hmm. Um, only because people were like, oh, I love this fragrance. Could you do like a lavender mixed with lemon? Or, oh, you know what I saw the other day? I saw like a, a, a bergamot mixed with a bourbon fragrance. You know, so I was like, okay, you like that? I'll make that. You know, so I, I was saying yes to too many things and not really evaluating, you know, the cost right. of um, what it took to make that particular product or the demand for that product. Um, I think I failed uh, early on just by taking on too many uh, suggestions and not really knowing what it is that I wanted to do. Um, and I think, you know, um, I learned from that by being able to de- uh, better define my company. Um, and the strategy that I wanted to take, like, what, what does this really mean to me? Does it mean more to me to offer more, um, you know, fragrances for people to buy, or does it mean more to me to have fewer candles, uh, with a bigger meaning or a bigger, um, benefit, right? So, uh, I would say first for me would be offering too much too soon. Um, and then what was the other one about something that I learned from or? Yeah. What did you learn through that period as you were starting and trying to uh, build things? Oh, I mean, being an entrepreneur is expensive. Mm -hmm. So uh, you definitely, uh, you you win some and you lose some. Um, So I would say offering too much too soon was one. Uh, I would say uh, doing too many vendor events, spending money on, uh, you know, uh, buying the vendor booths and Mm -hmm. expecting a a really large crowd. So, um you know, I, I realize that you have to be the one that is willing to push your product, right? Because no one else will. So if you don't believe in your product, no one else will. So I, I believe when I first started off going to those different vendor events, um, you know, people will promise like, oh, there's going to be like a thousand people that show up and it's going to be a really great turnout, right? right. Um, and when you get there, it's like, oh, okay. So it's just like your five family members that are here. Like, it's not like a really, you know, and it's just like you spent so much time like making all these candles, right. the candles only to show up at the vendor event and not sell anything. Right. So, um, I kind of, (laughs) I kind of learned from that, like being able to, um, be more, um, open or expressive about my product. Um, a lot of people don't know about me that I am, uh, I'm very shy. Like I'm an introvert. Like Mm -hmm. I could, I could post a lot of things on social media. I could, you know, uh, you know, I, I found myself hiding behind my product. Right. Because, um, I would set up my vendor table, I would set up my products, and I really wouldn't say much to people because I didn't really feel comfortable. So um, that kind of helped me get from behind my product and being more open and expressive about, you know, the benefits of my product and how it was all natural and great for self-care and for your skin, things of that sort. So um, I learned also, you know, to to speak up, you know, because no one else will for you. Well. Me being an introvert myself and <laughs> and the struggles of that, I totally understand that having to go out and sell not only a product but sell yourself and not and make sure that you don't overvalue yourself, but also make sure you don't devalue yourself. When I first started right. off my um, 
equipment repair business, which is mostly repairing baseball and softball gloves, I wasn't charging enough to cover my expenses. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's a mobile business in the sense I go and meet people somewhere I don't have. I definitely don't want them here at my place. <laughs> and, and I, um, matter of fact, I still don't give customers my phone number be, just because mm-hmm. – the type of business I'm in, they know I have contact with college coaches and whatnot, and I don't want them bugging mm-hmm. me about how do how do I get in contact with this coach? And, you know, there's right. ways that if they search it out, they can you know they can go to coaches' camps and all those things, and mm-hmm. you know, college coaches have social media that they can look up. So I didn't you know. An email is one thing, you know, to email me, but to call me and pester me, that's a totally different thing that I was not. <laughs> but I was, I totally made the mistake of devaluing myself. And you, mm-hmm. you got to be careful of that because I didn't, right. um, my prices didn't reflect what I, you know, the cost of glove lacing and uh, mm-hmm. all the other things and just gas, you know, me going to meet right. people. So I had to, right. had to put what I, call a pickup delivery fee even though i wasn't you know in some cases wasn't picking up and delivering i was just meeting them there and doing it on the spot but it still cost me money mm-hmm. to get there so mm-hmm. i don't know if those are challenges you faced but i know those are challenges i faced yeah definitely um under undervaluing what um what my candles were actually worth you know i would i would you know give a lot of discounts or um you know sell my candles at a lower price um not knowing, you know, who my customers were, right? Right. Um, you know, that's part of me taking on too many suggestions and um, lowering the price of my candles because, like, you know, people are like, oh, well, I'm not paying that much for a candle or uh, you don't have this particular, you know, fragrance. So I felt that I had to right. um, lower the price of my candles or offer more to clients um, instead of just saying, you know what, this may cost more than you can afford, but you may not be the, the customer for me, right? Right. So you, I realize you can't offer everyone everything. So finding your niche within the market is something that also um, I had to learn about because it was like I was offering candles for everyone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, of all ages, um, different demographics. And um, it's just like, okay, well, you know, once you hone in on who you're actually offering your product for, um, giving that person like a name or a personality or a lifestyle, um, you're able to kind of um, narrow down who exactly your customer is. Um, and that has really helped me um, to build upon my, my, my business um, and offer, you know, not more products, but different products that, you know, are on different tiers. So that has helped as well. And you talk about the expense of starting up. As your grandfather, my dad, would say, it takes money to make money, and um, sometimes you don't have the money. So, you know, <laughs> you, you either do without for a while or you try to figure out some other ways. And, um, and But, you know, you should always keep whatever it is as a goal to keep you know, moving forward. Right, yeah. And I think for me also, just um, what I realized, you know, buying wholesale save me more money mm-hmm. in the long run. Right. right. Uh, for me, when I first started off making candles, I would buy my supplies from Michaels. Right. <laughs> so buying, buying supplies from Michaels and trying to make up to a hundred candles, like it's expensive. 
um, not doing the proper research as far as trying to find out the, the wholesale vendors. Right. Um, I took advantage of the local uh, candle shops back at home in St. Louis, but they still weren't, you know, right. uh, the most cost effective. Um, so, I mean, it does take money to get money, but uh, you should, it, 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 after the first year, like you should, you should, you know, have your price points together, understand how much it takes you to make that particular product. Well, and you know, so, I, I was lucky myself. I, um, I had some connections in the sports equipment world and one of the largest glove manufacturers, Rawlings, which is based, was based in St. Louis. The local rep got me tied into their wholesale uh, mm-hmm. buying program, which was great. But then also there's a local shoe repair uh, place in town in town here in uh, Minneapolis, St. Paul area that mm-hmm. does glove repairs, but they uh, basically sell also sell me products at a wholesale price or just mm-hmm. a little bit more than a wholesale price, which is was great for them because I'm a competitor and, you know, and they didn't seem to mind at all. So, mm-hmm. Right. It always, you know, you never know who's going to be there to help, you know, help you as you're trying mm-hmm. to build your, you know, as you're trying to build your business. Definitely. Well, this might be a good uh, spot to take a commercial break from my sponsor. Yes, I'm lucky enough to have a sponsor for this podcast. Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not saying I make a ton of money, but I, I you know, I have a sponsor <laughs> and it's a very, it's a very nice uh it's a very nice check I get from them every month. So I appre- appreciate Bradshaw and Bryant um, Law Firm. They're in the injury uh, law business, and I appreciate uh, their sponsorship. So I'm going to do a commercial here, and then we'll come back and uh, continue our conversation on entrepreneurship and your business and uh, whatnot, if that's okay. All right, that is fine. Okay. Well, we'll be back here in a few minutes to talk to my uh, niece, Marlena, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Hi, I'm Mike Bryant, and I'm driving my car safely and legally communicating on my phone. Minnesota law allows a driver to use their cell phone to make calls, text, listen to music or podcasts, and get directions by voice command or single-touch activation without holding your phone. Violations are very expensive. The National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes per year and nearly 400,000 injuries are caused by texting and driving. Not surprising, since four seconds with your eyes off the road is like driving the length of a football field blindfolded. And research shows that just two seconds increases the risk of an accident up to 24 times. Texting may only take a second, but it can end your life or ruin it forever. Please. Drive safely and stay alive. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. I am Sir Nose, the boy of fun. I can't swim. I never could swim. I never will swim.
And we're back here on the JB's Little Tech Podcast. I'm with uh, Marlena Blackshear. Yes, she's my niece, but we're here to talk about uh, entrepreneurship and her uh, businesses, um, things that she is facing as she tries to, uh, and I know every time I say this, she laughs, but as she tries to build her empire and uh, you never know what can happen from day to day and as you build your own um so um we we had just finished talking about um some of the pitfalls and and uh of trying to start your business what have been some of the good things that have come about doing this outside of the income um outside of the income uh it's been a uh, real benefit to be able to um help other uh women especially um mm-hmm. find finding out ways for them to do more of what makes them happy. So with that, um, not just burning the candle, but also, like I said, taking time for yourself, um, you know, identify when you are either overwhelmed or uh, depressed or have anxiety, um, identifying different ways that you could benefit from lighting a candle and how that will actually help. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been really blessed with a great support system. Um, I know we talked earlier about, about Aunt Charlotte, but I don't want right. to get in trouble for leaving anybody out. Right. So <laughs> my whole, <laughs> yeah. uh, my family is really big. Like, of course it's a lot of you guys, but yes. I think each one has instilled something different in me. So just being able to have that support system, um, has really been a, a great benefit for me. Um, you know, just from making candles, I realized. Uh, you know, shortly after that, it was just more than making candles. Uh, like I said, more than making a revenue, you're actually um, doing something that could actually help people or benefit them or ha- something that they could benefit from. Um, so that was that was something that I, w- that I was really um, excited about, especially with the branding agency that I started as well, um, being able to help people, you know, achieve their dreams or to, to start a business that they want to. Um, and when I started making candles, I had also did a, um, a, uh, planner party. Um, so invited a couple girls over, um, friends and family, uh, to, you know, help me with my market research as far as, you know, different candles to offer throughout the year. And then also to plan for that upcoming year. So with that, um, everyone came over to the house. Um, and we, you know, talked about candles, but we also prepared ourselves for the next year to come. Um, and that led me into, um, writing my, uh, planning journal that I have out now. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's just like, you don't know exactly where your path will be, right? When you get started, you know what you want to do, you know, the product that you want to offer, but sometimes, uh, those, those, those roads lead you to different things. So I wasn't expecting to write a book. I wasn't expecting to do like a, a branding agency or offer more self-care things and just candles. I just wanted to do something that I liked, right? right? Something that had more of a natural effect of actually burning candles. And it just led into so many things. So I'm just glad that I had a, a great support system. Um, that was a really great benefit for me uh, when offering candles outside of the revenue. Well, and forgive me for not mentioning that you are an author. You oh, you yeah. have been featured in magazines and also on TV. So I'm not going to say you're big time, but you're pretty you're pretty close there. Uh, I mean, 
<laughs> I see it. I guess that kind of goes back to what you were saying about undervaluing yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, me keeping to myself and being an introvert, when people was like, oh my gosh, that's big. I'm just like, you you think so? Like, I don't feel like I'm doing enough. So sometimes I think that I can be really tough on myself um, with the things that I do. And I sometimes think that, oh, okay, I did that. All right, what else can I do? You know, so it's like for me, um, once I get that step higher, I'm always wanting to know what I can do differently uh, to achieve more. Well, as I as I tell my son, uh, being a black shear is is uh, is a blessing and a curse because you uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you have a strong support system, but it's a curse because you always feel like you you're not doing enough. So right, yeah, that's that's definitely true. Um, working back in St. Louis when I worked for one of the financial firms that I was working for. Um, just going to the break room and uh, I can't think of the guy's name, but he um, introduced himself to me and I told him my last name. He was like, oh, do you know John Blackshear? And I was just like, well, uh, yeah, that's my (laughs) uncle. Oh, I'm from Minnesota and he has this, he's on the radio show and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, we're all the way in St. Louis. Like, (laughs) uh, okay. But yeah, it's like, no matter where you go, you know, uh, people know the name. And uh, well, like I said, with the family being so large, you know, uh, there's so many, uh, you know, um, tentacles, to, things to, yeah. yeah, like, it's like, no matter where you go, you always have to be either on your best behavior or trying to do your best. <laughs> yeah. My, my son, uh, your cousin, John was somewhere and somebody walked up to him and just said, Hey, I know your dad. And he just looked at him like, <laughs> and didn't, didn't even know my uh john's last name or he just looked at his face and said i know your dad and just he just looked and the guy actually said i know your dad and he owes me money and he and the the owe him money part wasn't true because he was a college roommate college roommate (laughs) but uh (laughs) so yeah it happens too often in our lifetime i mean i've had it where i've gone up to the plate when i was a young Younger person playing uh, softball, and the umpire said, "Time," and said, "Are you a black shear?" <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. No. <laughs> number one, I'm trying to have an at bat here, and number two, couldn't we do this at, <laughs> at the end of the game? <laughs> but uh, it you you never know when it's going to strike, but it always seems to strike. Um, mm-hmm. The the other. The other thing I was going to ask you, and this this is a question your uncle Percy would ask you. Because, you know, he Uh-oh. thinks big, you know, it's, <laughs> you know, he, he, he was here for a bit being trained in his business. And, mm-hmm. um, I showed him what I was doing at the time and he was, he, he had this look on his face. I was like, what, what's the problem? And he's like, oh, by now I'd have thought you'd have been an athletic director. And I just kind of looked at him like, and then I caught myself and I thought, huh? Got to remember who said that because he thinks that one step's automatically leads to another and another. But I'm going to ask this question: Any thoughts of going on Shark Tank? Oh, <laughs> you know, um, I I had I had the the opportunity to audition once in St. Louis. Okay. Um, and I talked myself out of it. No. <laughs> um, because. <laughs> <laughs> I talked myself out of it. One of the ladies was like, hey, like, do you want to, you know, come in and interview and see with the judges? And I was like, uh, I'm not quite prepared. So I I think um, 
I want to be in a place where I can actually be able to um, be, I guess, be in the right spot financially, um, right. be on a, a bigger scale, like being able to scale. I just didn't want to uh, go there. And at the time, I was only a one product company, right? And you know mm-hmm. what they say about just like a one product company instead of being like a brand, right? right? So I wanted to build on my company first before I actually went in there and like did my pitch. So uh, it is definitely something that I would like to do, um, being better at pitch competitions um, to prepare myself for being on Shark Tank. <laughs> and uh, any, and so the last push of what Uncle Percy would ask you, um, any thoughts of like stores like Target or any uh, places like that? I would say, I would say yes. Like, trying to find a main uh, a main retailer mm-hmm. I think that would be ideal something that could work for me as far as being more hands off with my product um, because being a, a business owner um, you don't always want to be the you know maker of the product the um, the marketer uh, the distributor um, the the clerk all of that like you kind of want to at some point be more hands off um, so I think that a retail distribution deal would be something that I would really love. And I could see, <laughs> I could see Uncle Percy kind of asking that type of question because for him, when I think, I think maybe a lot of people don't know, but he was also a key point for me as far as getting into business. Um, I did a um, internship with him at his mortgage company. Oh, I didn't and- know that. Yeah, flew to Atlanta, stayed with him for mm-hmm. a couple weeks, um, worked in his office, you know, helped out with the stuff that he needed. And then he also um, set me up to shadow a, um, a freelance marketer at the time who helped out with his business. And I was able to, you know, you know, get around Atlanta and go to different uh, radio show events and the Chamber of Commerce and, you know, to sit in on the different deals that she had with her specific clients. Um, so being around him and having him <laughs> pick your brain about certain things, you know, and just like mm-hmm. the advice that he gives, you know, never stay in one spot too long. Um, you know, and we both have that financial background. I'm still working full time at a financial bar- at a financial firm as a stockbroker. Um, but him having that same background, it's like, okay, you never stay in a position more than two years. You want to move around. You want to do something bigger. When you get your company, you want to expand. It's like, okay, okay, yes. Okay, yeah. So it's just like, you know, I, I leave there and I felt so, um, I guess, you know, encouraged to do more. Like you just, I felt like he poured a lot into me to, to want to do bigger and better things. I think, I think that's what more people, people need is someone to kind of, you know, explain to them how things work and to encourage them to do more of what they're doing. Uh, first point, uh, Target headquarters here in uh, Minnesota. And um, with what happened with the uh, death of George Floyd and one Mm -hmm. of their stores actually almost was heavily looted and almost burnt down during the riots that or protests that happened right after that. They could have walked away and they did not. They uh, in that location built a um, satellite spot in the parking lot because it was in a poor neighborhood and they knew those people Mm -hmm. needed their products. But then also they re and as that was going on, refurbished their store to to reopen uh, bigger and better in that in that location. But they also have now done a national and you see it in the commercial, a national uh, run to bring in uh, black and other minority and female Mm -hmm. 
uh, products into their stores. So you might right. want to reach yeah. out to them too. Yeah, definitely. I've seen a lot of uh, black business owners that have recently uh, began to partner with Target, different hair care products and makeup, lip bar, Camille mm-hmm. Rose. Um, you have the do. There's so many different brands that are um, getting the opportunity to go um, mainstream. And I, I really love that. Um, I think a lot of, well, some people think like, oh, well, they sold out or, oh, you know. No, there's no selling they're, out. They're, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the, I mean, it's just like, you know, you have the conversation. It's like, is that not what people want? Like, why would I want to be selling candles out of my, you know, uh, out of my home, you know, for seven or 10 plus years? Like, why would you want that for the, you know, for the entirety of your company? You should, you know, want to do something bigger. Um, for the masses to have your product available. And I think those larger retail stores gives you the opportunity to do that. No greater term has ever uh, slowed the development of a race than sellout. Because, right. yeah. because it's all, it's, it's, it's not about the person it's being spoken to. It's about the person who's speaking it because of their right. jealousy of your success. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's basically what that term means. Um, mm-hmm. also to go, to finish up with your, what you, what your, uh, uncle Percy was talking about myself, the different jobs that I've had, I've worked with, uh, homeless teenagers to working at radio stations to, uh, working at sporting goods stores and on and on and on in my lifetime has helped me prepare for my side, uh, my sideline business and also really helped me with uh, running and uh, having my own podcasts and being able to mm-hmm. talk to different people on different subjects because I've had mm-hmm. a little knowledge in everything a lot of people do. So it never hurts to mm-hmm. learn what other people do. So uh, your other business, which I did not know about, can you talk about that more? Yeah, so uh, Bellish Branding Agency, um, it is a branding consulting firm. Um, like I said, I help uh, smaller business owners um, with their social media management, with website designs, um, and then also with uh, brand management, uh, campaigns, and things like that. So uh, it's, like I said, started during the pandemic when um, my friends started to reach out to me like, hey, I want to start this business. How could you help? Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, um, I found myself to be a creator when making candles. Um, I'm good at creating a lot of things, uh, but I kind of just want to, <laughs> like I said, hide behind my product. Right. So um, um, just having the background of, um, of marketing with my degree, um, I understood how business worked. I understood how, um, you know, the social media platforms work and things of that sort. So um, I'm real particular about like the things I post and uh, the things that I have know for my branding for my company and a lot of people like that I was real particular or um, precise on different things that I would do so they you know seeked out my help and it went from there and just went from word of mouth I haven't had to advertise anything at all right now I have about 15 clients that I've helped start their business just in one year so um yeah and it leads from like a yoga company lady here she has a yoga studio helped her build a brand for her yoga studio um, another client is a um, is a uh, sorry is a travel agent, and, and uh, others like makes soaps, makes cookies, um, has a hair salon, and it it really just took off just by word of mouth and me being able to 
um, help them start their brand was something that I just started, you know, to love to do. So I took a step back for a second from making candles and um, helped them with their business. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> a lot of people struggle with social media, which is something um, that I am good at. Um, a lot of my clients, they are they are in their 50s. So, you know, right. like you said, you know, you weren't the you know expertise at Facebook and it may not be something that comes natural to you. Um, but just being able to delegate the work that you're not good at right. to a lot of people and goes a long way. Well, um, I keep uh, having this thought that either you or one of your cousins is going to really hit something big and it's going to bring in you and then it's going to bring in um, Jaron and then it's going to bring in my son, John, who's a graphic artist. And, this, cause you all, and mm-hmm. then uh, Jordan, who's into... Uh, clothing mm-hmm. design at some point something big's going to happen for the group of you all and it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be something big but um you guys just keep all of you just keep working at it and whatnot um yeah definitely i am waiting for that moment for all of us to <laughs> have that huge family brand and just right. you know connect minds and do something that really takes off but um it yeah. takes time you know right it takes time and it and it's weird because you're you're for the most part you're all uh, introverted in your own ways. So because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. and and the um, and with my siblings, me and your uncle Percy were the quiet ones. You know when you got uh, a family of nine kids, some you know I was my mother would always say when they would ask why is <laughs> they would say why is John so quiet? She would say somebody had to be. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you, know, you don't have anything to say because they said it already uh, right or it's like I, just, I don't have anything to say period as we wrapped in this <laughs> oh no not period <laughs> I, well there were times where I didn't have anything to say period um, <laughs> as we wrap this up um, is there anything you want to say about either business and also where can people reach you with the, before you answer that I wanted to know, you said you moved to Texas. Where are you mm-hmm. in Texas? And why did you uh, move to Texas? Oh, right now I'm in Frisco, Texas. Okay. Um, I am in Frisco, Texas. Um, <laughs> I love it here. Sadly, I don't see myself moving back home to St. Louis. Yeah. Um, I just think there are a lot more opportunities here to um, to get better. Uh, I mean, iron sharpens iron. Um, to be more exposed to different cultures, um, different businesses. Um, so here, I think I am able to touch more, uh, touch more people, touch more um, streams of, of income uh, to uh, get on another level as far as my my corporate job as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I initially moved here from work. We got bought out by a financial firm here in Texas. Um, and I saw that opportunity to uh, move to Texas. <laughs> and I was like, hey, I, we just got bought out. They're mm-hmm. based in, in Texas. I need to move here. And uh, my job was like, all right, you can move, but we're not paying for you to move. And I was just like, well, that's fine. I'll make it work. You know, just write up the report and I'm there. So that's that's how it happened. And I made that decision probably within the less than six months I moved um, just, you know, on a whim of wanting to do something different outside of St. Louis. 
Um, and I mean, the weather helps here as well, too. So. Right. <laughs> uh, and where is what major city is Frisco near? Uh, Dallas. Dallas. So it's near, it's near Dallas. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's about 20 minutes north of Dallas. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've heard of Frisco, Texas, but you've, and you'll probably laugh when I'll say why I've heard of Frisco, Texas. There's a championship football game that's played there every Uh-oh. year. Uh-oh. Uh, <laughs> it is for the uh, Division One, what we used to call 1AA. Um, mm-hmm. It's for the. Uh, it's for the smaller, bigger school uh, football championship, and it's held in Frisco, te- Texas, every year. And I heard it's a oh, nice. it's a big uh, show every year. So and mm-hmm. that they that it gets bigger. So I've heard of nice. Frisco. I just never knew where exactly where it was located. Now, oh, well, see, now you have to come down and experience <laughs> that same event live, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh no i'm just kidding um so was there anything that we didn't touch about your businesses and also where can people reach you um well first off i would like to say you know thank you so much for opening up your platform for me mm-hmm. uh, allowing me to be here and uh speak with you more in depth about you know the the roles of of being an entrepreneur um, so thank you for that first, but, um, as far as my business, I can be reached on social media, um, Instagram and Facebook at Bellish Glambar, B-E-L-L-I-S-H-T-L-A-M-B-A-R, um, on both platforms. Um, you can also, um, view more of my products and my services online on my website at bellishglambar.com. Um, and then you can also email me or fill out a contact form on the website as well. So those are my contacts. Um, I don't think we didn't touch on anything that um, that was the base of my company. Okay. Um, just want you know, to just encourage people to do more of what they love, find that, find the glamour in life that they deserve as far as, um, you know, <laughs> self-care and um, pouring into themselves more. Because I think a lot of people, um, found the importance of doing that, um, you know, during the pandemic, right. and, you know, really struggle with that. And I think that a lot of people, you know, forgot the importance of taking more time for yourself. So just encourage people to do that. If you love candles, uh, the candles I provide are all natural and great for your skin. So thank well, you so much again. Yeah. Well, um, speaking of the pandemic and the shutdown, um, like I said, I went to work every day, but it was still, you mm-hmm. would you know, go to work, come home, go to work, come home. And it was getting mm-hmm. to a point of, I got to do something else because I'm going crazy. Mm-hmm. And it right. was starting to affect my uh, mental health mm-hmm. and um, anxiety was for, which for most of us, because none of us knew what this virus was going to do if we came down with it, uh, what it was mm-hmm. going to do to us. And we still, you know, are learning what what are probably going to be the long-term effects of this mm-hmm. and that's what um i get frustrated with with people who call it just a flu or this that and the other we have no mm-hmm. idea what the long-term effect is going to be on our bodies years mm-hmm. from now but also you know the anxiety that we all felt and also you know myself the the depression being uh basically alone you know because i couldn't mm-hmm. have my son who lives in town come over here because it was like you know mm-hmm. he needed to stay where he was so it was like and there's only so much phone calls and zoom and this that and the other that you could do and and netflix and all these things <laughs> and uh but i just wanted a different way of 
uh, reaching people. And um, mm-hmm. at the time, I had lost my spot on a national podcast uh, mm-hmm. because I couldn't one, I couldn't come in, and then the day of the week that I was coming in, they eliminated, mm-hmm. which was Friday which was the day we had comics come in. So uh, the person that owned the show, who's a friend, who I used to do, uh, do radio with, stayed on me to start my own podcast. And mm-hmm. I'm, you know, um, his son and uh, another person on the show, Cassie, were able to tell me what to buy. And also another guy who was on the radio show with us, Bob Sansevier, who, um, who started his own podcast, they were all able to tell me what to buy, how to hook it up, this, that, and the other. Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> nice. and then a um, young African-American uh, kid who's also been on the podcast named Tevin. Yes, he was mm-hmm. named after Tevin Campbell. Um, <laughs> uh, was able to also kind of finish off the production pieces for me and, um, and get things going. And there was... Uh, guy named philip wise who's also was kind of a pushing force force who is like we don't have any uh any of not many voices in this town that have their own podcasts and you need to keep you need to do it so it was like okay it was like all right all right all right all right all you people leave me alone and and i did it and the first couple of episodes, it was just me talking about topics and this, that, and the other. And I was like, I got to figure out a way to bring others on the show. And the first person I asked to be on was your cousin, and he turned me down. <laughs> oh, no. And he still hasn't done it, and I'm not <laughs> mad at him. But um, and then I reached out to uh, another uh, former college roommate of mine that um, – who's on the, the directing production staff of uh, 40 Acre and a Mule, which is uh, Spike Lee's uh, mm-hmm. production company. Right. And so right. he was my first interview, and it went well, and I was like, I can do this. And so <laughs> <laughs> uh, this, will, this will be my uh, 52nd. I, you know, I only record once a week. And not every Saturday, but for most Saturdays. And this will be my 52nd episode, which is, uh, you know, it's something to celebrate. So yeah. I would just say just keep going, Lucky getting at the, Yeah, <laughs> just keep at, <laughs> at your, keep at your thing. Um, and um, as far as you keep going, it only gets better. Uh, one last question, and we keep talking about the pandemic and starting in the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um how did the pandemic affect your business? Um, well, actually, the pandemic was probably one of the best years that I had for my business, honestly. Okay. Um, and I say that because more people were at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, more people were trying to, you know, find out what, what's wrong with me, you know? Right. <laughs> uh, my, yeah. my normal routine is not the same. I, I feel depressed. I feel like you know, I'm having anxiety. I'm not able to see my family. Um, and I think, you know, um, you know, a lot of people realize that, you know, uh, you know, after losing family members or, you know, you're stripped away from the things that you usually do, like you're just stuck with yourself. You know, um, I'm here in Texas and it's just me, you know, um, no family, you know, no houses to go to or anything like that. So, um, I think a lot of people realize that taking more time for yourself, 
was something that, you know, you needed to do. Um, life is short. And at the end of the day, when the lights go out, uh, when the doors are shut, um, you know, it's just you. So um, I think a lot more people wanted to um, either increase their self-care um, routine that they had to, you know, better their mental health or to um, were probably just doing more cleaning <laughs> and wanted to stock right. up and burn more candles. So um, <laughs> that was something that I was really surprised about. Um, it, 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 it took off on a different level that I wasn't expecting at all. Um, that, like I say, was, was probably one of the best years that I had um, because a lot more people were trying to invest in themselves and do something different. Um, I think a lot of people were, uh, you know, afraid of something new. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess you would call this our new normal, I guess. I'm not right. sure what normal will be anymore, but, <laughs> um, you know, realizing that the candles that I make, you know, have have a dual benefit of not only benefiting the fragrance of your home, but also um, being able to take more time for yourself, to lather up a little bit, moisturize your skin. You know, you're not yep. in a rush to go outside the house anymore. So um, to be able to, um, you know, share that with family or a partner or whatever you would like to do, um, I think that was something that a lot of people, you know, took pride in. So I, I was, I was very blessed and, and thankful for that. Well, that's all nice to hear. And I, I want to thank you for joining me in my man cave. And yes, <laughs> yeah, I have a man, I have, well, you know, all the stuff I've collected over the years and some of the stuff that your right. uncles keep sending me. And it's like, you know, mm-hmm. I don't really have room and they keep sending it anyway. Uh, <laughs> you know, my collectibles and, and whatnot and, you know, I had to get this room insured, basically. Uh-oh. So, Uh-oh. Um, but thank you for joining me in my man cave in my in what I call the Green Circle Studios, which is the street I live on. But the, you know, <laughs> I have a two bedroom condo, and it's like you know nobody's ever. If I turn it into a bedroom, nobody's basically nobody's ever going to sleep here. So I just turned it into a Uh-oh. man cave. <laughs> Right. But I want to thank you for uh, joining me in, in my man cave in the Green Circle Studios. Uh, this has been uh, Marlena Blackshear. And again, tell us how we can reach you. Uh, it's been a pleasure being in the man cave. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll have to give you some smell goods for the man cave. <laughs> um, I, can, I can be reached, um, again, on social media, at Bellish Glambar, um, on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, all of my products and services are available on my website, bellishglambar.com. Okay. And uh, thank you for joining us here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Thank you. My pleasure for having me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. JB is my name, and f-ing up motherfuckers is my game. Going on. Negro, black, African American, black, black, black. Django, JB. Damn. Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know JB, our great Negro sex machine.